Hello once again. This is Dr. Michael Edwards from St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm here with one of our regular guests. Dr. Robert Thornton from Tupelo, Mississippi, birthplace of Elvis. He, Elvis was born there. Was he born really there. was. Yes, he was. He's and we have a very He's special guest there. today, Dr. Howard Dean. You might recall I ran for president of the United States about 25 <laughs> years ago. That would be me. And that's incredible. And who knew that Dr. Dean was a dentist? Hey, would you close that? So we are at Ruby's Marlin Bar. We're in front of a live audience today. And we've just finished the new patient experience course at the Schuster Center. So, Howie, how was your experience? It was incredible. Yeah? What did, you, a, what did you like about it? It was uh, very interactive. It was very... It was a great learning uh, experience and environment, and I believe my team got a whole lot out of the whole event. Great. What do you What do you think? Did you get a lot out of it? That's Can you show life. us by applause? Yes, yeah, that our live studio audience. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> thank that's a you. Big crowd. Wow, it is. Yeah, I tell you what. Where did all these people come from? We're gonna, I don't know. We're going we're gonna to need more alcohol, though. All right, so we're having a good time here at Ruby's Marlin Bar, one of our Studio A. And we will be taking this show on the road at the uh, downtown Washington Brewery in the next few weeks, as, as well as Mash Build Whiskey and Bourbon Distillery. And that's going to be standing room only, isn't it? Absolutely, I it will be. It and be you'll nice. want to come back for that one. Okay, just let my people know when it is. Yeah. And they'll now, take care of that. Now, Doctor... Tell us, uh, how did you get into dentistry in the first place? I liked my dentist as I was a child. He was a nice man. He was nice to me, uh, nice to my family. Just a very kind man, and I liked it. And I just kind of wanted to be like him. Okay, so you had a role model role growing up. Yes. Where'd you go to college? Ohio University. Okay. And you took pre-medicine, Pre-dentistry. Pre-dentistry, okay. What college did you go to? What dental school? Emory University School of Dentistry. Oh, that sounds, Rob. Sounds real important. Yeah, it does. Sounds very important. Yes. Yeah. Was it a good good experience? Where's that located? Uh, Atlanta. Down south. Down south. Yeah. All right. I was a Yankee that went to school in the south. uh And how was that experience for you? It helped me achieve the goal I wanted, which was to get my degree and allow me to be a doctor. Well, let me put it this way. Do you go back for reunions? No. (laughs) Part of the reason is the dental school has closed. Oh, okay. There aren't as many alums to repeat. I see. I see. Did you send money in support of the school? Uh, I did not. Okay. So that says it all. Yes. All right, now, so moving on, what was your, what was your first jobs in dentistry, and did, did, was it like what you thought it'd be like? It, I was an associate with an established dentist on the outskirts of Cincinnati, Dr. Michael Getz. He was, an, he was a wonderful man. I learned a lot from him, and I wanted to be an owner of the practice, and he wasn't ready to sell part of his practice, so I ended up leaving after several years. And, and what, a, what did you want out of ownership? I wanted to to have the freedom to make my own decisions, just take on those responsibilities. Yeah, so what, what was constricting about being an associate for years? I wasn't in a position where I could make the decisions that I was interested in making, just in running a business and that sort of thing. And then, oddly enough, some of the things that he, he did, I didn't agree with at the time, but it was just because I only had limited knowledge of what was going on. And as soon as I bought my own business, I really started to understand the decisions he made. Yeah. So were you, during the associateship, were you close with him at all? Yes. But not in a way that you discussed how the office ran or any kind of Correct. direction? It, it was more of a, uh, I was close with him from a technical coaching standpoint, where he was coaching me and, and that sort of thing, but we really didn't uh, discuss the business decisions together. 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So I, I remember uh, something similar when I was out of school for a short amount of time. I would see things and think, well, I wasn't taught that way. I don't, I don't approve of that. But in reality, we've got somebody with a lot of experience just because the, they're older. And now that I'm that age, it's like, you know, and, and with the young people, when they ask me things or especially about technical dentistry, I just smile because they think you have no idea. You've been a dentist for a few months or a year or two years, but you have no idea. You just don't have the experience yet. Yeah. And you think, you know, I forget what I've done in many regards, what CE I've done, the people we've studied with, and you just kind of take it for granted because you've lived that life. And I know you are very much like me. I know Dr. Thornton here from Tupelo, Mississippi is also like that. We've taken a lot of CE and you just kind of take it for granted, the knowledge base you have. And it's a different world than how most of dentistry practices. Absolutely. Yeah. And the money you spend on your CE is probably more money than you spend on dental school altogether. Oh, it's way more than what I spent on dental school. Right. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So you buy your own practice. Bought my own practice. And then what happened? Quickly learned that I did not really know how to operate a business. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's what I've been dreaming about for six or eight years. So what, what was it that had made you have that realization? I was stressed, working too hard, wasn't making any money. I knew it was billing money, but I didn't have any money to... Really Where was the money going? Family. Where it, was it going? I wasn't sure. So I brought in... A consultant. Okay. Who, can, do you want to name the consultant? Uh, she's, I think she's retired. I don't know that it matters. Okay. Nice lady, but her philosophy was considerably different my philosophy today. So what was her philosophy? I'm going to give her a name. It's going to be Debbie. <laughs> Good. Good call. Don and Debbie. Yeah. So Debbie, what was Debbie's philosophy? That everything centered around the doctor. Okay. And the doctor was the boss. He told everybody what to do. He told the patients what to do, told his employees what to do, and everybody was supposed to be happy and healthy and everything was going to be good. So you had your own dictatorship, and you didn't like it. Correct, because that's where something in my gut told me, you're not supposed to be the boss of everything and everybody. That's not how the world works. Yeah, so you were very much in tune with other people's development and not forcing your ideas... Or micromanaging them. Micromanaging. You uh, wanted to see them, you know, I use the term now, but you wanted to see them become stewards in the practice without you having to tell them what to do at every step of the way. Yes, and, but, but I didn't have a clear vision of what they wanted, so they, they, had, they had zero chance of succeeding to meet my, my dream. Anyway, at this time, because you didn't know what you wanted. Exactly. So what, what happened or what point? Did you start to get clarity around that? Oh, I think I watched a lot of patients decide they didn't like the way it did things, so they left the practice. I had a few issues with uh, employees, and I think it, when I really was struggling to make ends meet monetarily, when I realized I, there's got to be a better way to doing this. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Usually when you get to that point, some, someone appears. The universe gives you That's, a gift. The universe gifted me with Dr. Michael Schuster. Okay. He sent one of his representatives out, a practice analyst, Bobby O. Bobby O? Mm-hmm. Otavi. Was it, was it Bobby? Oh, uh, John, Johnny. John, Johnny Johnny Otavi. Yeah. Johnny O. Came out, and within, you know, 36 hours, it's like, okay, sign me up. Uh, he came to dinner after spending time with me <laughs> at the office and met my wife, who had a little different view of things than what I have. Uh, and, of course, she was right. Um, and what was that? <laughs> I don't recall right now. Did she work in the practice? 
No, she she did lightly work in the practice. Uh, yeah. you know, she had a vested interest in it because it's her you know her household income that's you know not what she was expecting it to be. Right. And and neither of us could see a light at the end of the tunnel. So were, was there a lot of debt? There was a lot of debt. I had over. I had. Sounds uh, like it. Well, I, I, when I bought the practice, it had two operatories, and I've told folks that uh, on about the second day, I looked at my assistant. And I asked her for a period probe, mm-hmm. and she looked at me and said, "It is in the micro in the it's in the autoclave." And I looked at her and and, and she said, "It exactly." I said, "Okay, when it comes out, would you bring it to me and then order about another half dozen of them, please?" So it turned out that the practice I had bought, the previous doctor, had no interest in treating periodontal disease. Uh, and that the patients there were in bad shape, and they didn't know it because they trusted this man, mm-hmm. who was a, a patchwork dentist. I came to find out. Yeah. So ask me the question again. I lost track of the question. What happened, or what 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 did you what process did you go through when you began to refine your vision and what you wanted? So you told me you met Mike Schuster. Okay. Well, uh, and Johnny Otavi well, came out, met the you and the, your wife Charlotte. Well, yes, Charlotte. Okay. Uh, but prior to that, I had outgrown. I quickly outgrew the small office space we had. Mm-hmm. So I went out and built a bigger office. So the practice was doing well. It was the growing, the, which would be great because you have a lot of people that that need dental work and just basic perio. Have basic perio needs, so it sounds like it would have been a good practice, a good growing practice. Oh, it was. Yeah. I just didn't know how to manage it. So you built a new building. Built a new building. So you go deeper into debt. Well, deeper into debt. How good. much are we talking? Oh man, seven hundred thousand. No, not that, that that long ago. That was thirty-five years ago. Okay, so, so half million. Probably half million. But you still had debt. You have student loan debt. School debt, yes. So you had school debt. And did you have debt from buying the practice? Yes. So that was on top of the 500 or part of the 500? That was part of the 500. Oh, okay. So you're 500 total in. Probably. Okay. Uh, and you had a house. Had a house. Had two children. Two kids, yeah. One wife. They take a lot of money. It's all, they do. It's, they really take all, a lot of it's money. It's all according to your perspective. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you grad, let me ask you a question. Let me ask uh, Dr. Rob first. Dr. Rob, when you graduated school, how long was it before you bought a car? Within a year. Okay, within a year. Uh, we probably had two cars because we both worked, so we had to have new cars? No, used. Used, but nice. Nice. Yep. I bought mine when I was a senior in dental school. And then I bought another one when I graduated. But we deserve it, though. Don't we deserve it? No. We work so hard. No, the audience we, says no. We justify it. We do justify it. Yes. That's the difference between deserve and yeah. justify. But you went. You bought a house, didn't you? So, you bought a house? Yes, too? and then we bought a house. Uh-huh. Uh, so, how, so, so from the small practice to the big practice, how big was the small practice and operatory and square footage to the big practice? The small office was just two operatories. And it was, I, 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 sub, I leased uh, the, the same, I doubled the office space, so it was about 1300 okay. And I just ran two operatories out of that as I was planning the move, which was 100 yards. It was in the same, I was in the same corner. Yeah. And that place had about double the space. I only finished three quarters of it, and I put in four chairs. 
So, sounds good. It sounds appropriate yeah, it for sounds, the size practice. You have some room to grow. Yes. Okay. Because um, you're pretty, pretty limited in the first space. Oh, t yes. The, yeah. the floor plan was not good. And, and the, the floor plan of the... The floor plan of the old place just flat out didn't work. The floor plan of the new place looked great because it was all new equipment and you know brand new office. Now at this time, furniture. how were you practicing? Had you had a lot of CE? Had you have you developed a practice philosophy even? No, the, okay. the philosophy I had at the time was the philosophy that my that consultant drilled into me. Yeah, which is just tell everybody what they need. We use a lot of metaphors like drill because we're dentists. Yes. So that got drilled into you. Yes. <laughs> so go ahead. So. And then what happened? Well, I, be, I became burned out within probably a year. And that's when I was able to get a hold of Dr. Schuster. Yeah. And signed up with him and went to the management course. And, of course, I was worried at the time because now here's another big expense. And I was already having troubles making ends meet. Right. But we went through the management course, and I learned a ton. But I, and I still, I, I went into that even thinking, oh, well, in a year or two, all these problems will be gone. I'll have them all fixed because of this great training. Well, I just, and again, I didn't know what I didn't know because it was only the start of the journey, really towards a mature dentist. Mm -hmm. So about how long did it take before you got on the other side of money control? Once you started the center. Well, that's where there were unexpected things that happened. There was a fire that burned my office down shortly after I finished the management program. What? Hang on one second because the bartender's, the bartender's getting ready to pop a bottle of champagne. <laughs> there we go. Sweet. All right, I know. It, yes. it is a full-service bar at the Ruby's Marlin Bar. Oh, uh, yeah, the, and, and the standing-only crowd is... That's right. They're packing it in. So go ahead. So... There was a fire that burned my office to the ground, which you don't plan on that. No, and how long were you, were you out because of that? Almost a year but to get back in. But I had a good friend across the parking lot. We had considered merging our practices already at the time. Mm -hmm. so, and he had some extra space in his office. So really, I was, I was up and running again in about a month even though it was still terribly disorganized. Sure. I was still operating by the seat of my pants because at that point, you know, I'm trying to recover. Plus, I had my insurance company breathing on me, hard and heavy, to get back in business. Mm -hmm. And it was, more, it was even more complicated than that because actually as the fire started, a couple of days after the fire was put out, the authorities realized there was a body in the fire. So there was a person killed in the process so I didn't realize at the time because I was too young and naive but I was a murder suspect by the police department and I had no clue because I had nothing to do with that and now a message from our sponsors we come back <laughs> the rest of the story <laughs> I know well we're going to go to the trial next <laughs> yes. and then we'll come back we'll exonerate Howie and the real murder will be revealed. That's right. After so, Howie, that must have been awful. That was awful. That was, it was a terrible how year. Did it was the worst even, year of my life. How did you even practice with all that going on? It wasn't easy. But my friend across the parking lot, Mark Flesh, basically kept me in business. Yeah. Uh, so I 
we were looking in his office to try to figure out, you know, how can we make this work? And I remember saying out loud, it's like, Mark, there's no way my stuff's going to fit in here. And then I realized, wait a minute. I don't have, I don't any, have any stuff. stuff. <laughs> it's all ashes. It's gone. So yeah. in that case, yeah, my stuff will fit in here. So do you still have any of the ashes from the fire? I do not. No. I mean, what a, what a pivotal story and a career. It, it I mean, was life-changing. And, and I, I, I came to realize, you know, oh, sometime later in that year, I went on my first church retreat, which I really needed. And, you know, and that's what brought me closer to God. And I realized really that I was blessed because it was kind of God's way of saying, Howie, you know, we're going to give you a redo on this. And we're just going to let you start fresh. So at that time, it was kind of like the, the business was raised from the ashes like the phoenix. And, and I got a second chance. That's great. Uh, so I realized, okay, I'm going to do this better. Yeah. Now, what time was Schuster involved? He was involved just before that. Just before the fire? Before the fire. So, okay. I, and I realized at the time, you know, if I hadn't just had that recent training, you know, I probably just would have folded. Mm-hmm. I would have had no clue on how to salvage a career. So had you completed the program I and then the fire? Okay. Yes. All right. So now, go back to how long did it take for you to get on the other side of money? Because money was a problem in the first place. Well, it still took a few years because I had to soak up a loss on the insurance claim. What does that mean? Well, without realizing it, I had was underinsured. Okay. So uh, a lot of the insurance did not cover a lot of the loss. So I'm just going to guess, when you were in dental school, did they not talk to you about proper being properly insured? Do you ever remember uh, that, that lecture? I do not recall that lecture. Robert, was there any lectures about the insurances you need? No, absolutely not. And about how many insurances now, gentlemen, we've been in practice for quite a while. How many insurances do we need as business owners? One. Are there three or four or five or ten? I can't keep up. It's a lot of insurance. No, the only insurance we need is to cover the liability of our business. So I would say we need well, one insurance. And then disability. Oh, forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and and then if you have any debt. Medical insurance. Yeah. Car insurance. You're, you're confusing the issue with facts. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's a lot of insurance. Partial disability, need. business interruption insurance. Business interruption. I mean, gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of insurances we need. So some you were underinsured. So people need server insurance. I wish I had server insurance. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Rob? That'll be in an upcoming episode. Uh, so, yes. so you were underinsured, and now you've got to pay... I have to just work off the debt. Boy, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. So it, it sounds doesn't... awful. It sounds like put your nose to the grindstone and just keep working. And keep working. And eventually you get out from underneath it. And that's, that's what it did. But, it, but without the training I had from the Schuster Center, you know, I'm sure that I just would have said, hey, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Uh, so where are you now? Light years ahead of where that was. Washington, Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> Ruby's Marlin Bar. Yeah, that's the name of this place. New patient experience, <laughs> Schuster Center. So, so you came back to bring your team through this. So, how important is it the way you bring new patients through your office? It's critical. And how so? They're the lifeblood of of what we do, and and our patients are the reason we're there. We're there to serve others 
and the new patient process affects all other aspects of the practice. So I find that as you bring people in, that establishes the culture. And over time, when enough people come through there, it has the, the power to transform, really, the entire practice. Absolutely. It has the impact way beyond what I initially thought it would have. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to guess. You bring new patients through the hygienists, and then you come in for a short exam? Is that the way you do it? That's the way I was trained initially. But oh. that is, that is, uh, since then, I've learned that that was not the appropriate way to do it. No, it's not. It's not. Doesn't it seem wrong? To offer these $39 cleanings or these cheap cleanings, and people come in, and how many people really need cleanings? Not that many. Not that many. They, a lot of times they need some hygiene treatment, some yes. actual, actual gum therapy or gum treatment. So tell us about your practice now. What are you focused on? Our focus is to help folks get healthy and stay healthy with the least amount of dentistry over their lifetime. I love that. That sounds great. And then where'd you learn, what kind of CE have you done that helps you do that? A ton of it is with the Schuster Center and a program called Performance Coach, uh, which I've been active in for eight or ten years. Mm -hmm. And what do you get out of that? I get a lot out of that. My mastermind group is out of that. In almost one way or another, that the Schuster Center is responsible for the, the technical continuing education I enrolled in. They're totally responsible for the business training. Mm-hmm which it just impacts all areas of your life, both your professional life and your personal life. So these days, would you say that you have control over money in your practice? Not totally. Not to the extent that I really want to have it, but... What's in the way? Comparatively speaking, it's way ahead. What's in the way, would you say? I still have an obstacle to work with. There's one more dental insurance company that I am uh, in the network with. Okay. Uh, and that still is a, it's a strain to work with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've dropped a lot of insurances, and that has done what for you? That has freed me up to just feel more relaxed with everything. When you dropped the, what, did you have a template that you used or a program you used to help, help you in dropping the insurance programs? Yes, we worked with a, with a plan. We developed a business plan and how to develop a one-to-one practice and I put a lot of thought into it. I talked to a lot of my associates and mastermind folks uh, before I implemented it. I think I saw Didn't you come to a Red Sea workshop, too? I did. I thought you did. About the time I was going out of the network, I guess. Yeah. Because you were also, at the same time, doing your OBI residency. So you're starting to do more complete work. Yes. And, and you know, for me, when I made the jump, I had so many cases going with the OBI level of work that once I dropped the insurance program, it just gave me time to see more people like that, and the practice never suffered. Yes, I mean, very. I, I was, you know, one of the fears of changing is, is that, gosh, is this really going to work? A very good friend of mine worries about every little thing. But that was, you know, that's, it was pretty normal <clears throat> to worry about, you know, gosh, you know, I could lose a bunch of money. I've been there before. You know, if all these folks decide to leave me, what am I going to do? Right. But, but it didn't happen. It did not happen. It's always way. the biggest fear. And it was just proof that most of the things we worry about just never happen. Right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's the phrase, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yes. And, and, I, and, I, and my phrase is, you can live with the fear, or you can just go right through it. Work through it. 
Yep. Work right through it because it's, it's a lot book. harder. That's it's it. a lot harder to live with that fear for a long period of time. Oh, absolutely. Um, I believe you have that quote in your Red Sea book. I think I might. I'd have to read myself to see what my quote was. <laughs> he doesn't remember what he put in that book. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. You look like Johnny Carson. You look like Ed McMahon. <laughs> oh, that's good. Like Ed McMahon's money. <laughs> so if you were going to give advice to young dentists, what are three things, three milestone steps for you that you would say these are the must-do programs in dentistry? You mean to, continuing education-wise? Just to really, three, just any three milestone steps to really have a fulfilling career. You need a solid foundation in business training, which I give total credit to the Schuster Center for that. You need to develop a philosophy, and you need to have faith in God. And that's my three that I can think of. And I, I didn't list them in the right order because it should be faith in God first, but mm-hmm. that's... What came out of my mouth so yeah sometimes when i think about what you just said i think sometimes you've got to be in a place to be able to accept that accept spirituality yes you know you may not even hear or remember your ability to connect with spirit when you're in such a survival state yeah when you're when it's all about materialism yes and how do i pay these bills you just don't have time to listen to god sometimes yeah and you're not feeling that connected yeah. You know, you're feeling kind of out there on your own. Right. And in dentistry, you know, in, in many ways we are out on our, on our own, We're on our own little islands. In many ways we are. Yeah. And until we find a mastermind group such as the one we've developed. Yeah. And that's Performance Coach. Performance and that's, that's coach. what's so great about Performance Coach, bringing like-minded people together. Yes. With a defined curriculum and a defined purpose. And life gets a whole lot better then. Yeah. Great. Well, thank thank you for this interview today. Well, and I'm glad you're here. here. I'm grateful for you inviting. Very glad you're here, okay. Robert. Glad you, glad you made it all the way down from a little town up north. No, that town up north would be in another state. But <laughs> <laughs> I got a message. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming down the down the river. Thanks for having us. All right. Thank all right. you, Howie. All right. And next up, uh, we have another interview coming up here at the Ruby's Marlin Bar. It'll be Dr. Justina Pham. Oh, wait. Don't worry. We get worse later than mine goes on. (laughs) Then we start prank calling things. All right. So our drinks drinks just came. We've got another podcast coming up. It's going to be Dr. Justina Pham from Santa Barbara, California. After these messages from our sponsor, and, and there the drinks are. Hey, where are the sliders? I'd like a slider.